we are in a series right now, as you know, as you possibly know, about the I Am statements from Jesus. In, in Jesus' uh, ministry and life, the, he has these statements where he testifies to himself, to his own identity, and we thought, what better way to go into this Christmas season, this season of Advent, this season where we are waiting expectantly on the King, that what better way to think about the King than to just consider his statements about himself, right? So that's what we're doing. We're going through the, the I am statements. Last week we looked at the bread of life. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. This week we're going to be looking at another statement. And as I was thinking, preparing, praying, I recalled this story of some children. Um, in 1991, there were three kids who were uh, wandered off a mountain trail in the Pecos Wilderness in New Mexico. The Pecos Wilderness is a part of a national forest system. There's 1.5 million acres in the Pecos Wilderness. They wandered off the mountain trail. They got separated from their group, and they were lost. And uh, they were part of a larger group of 11 and 12-year-olds from a nearby summer camp. And they wandered off, and they did everything that you're not supposed to do, right, <laughs> when you're in the mountains. They, first, they, uh, they separated from their larger group. Second, when they noticed that they didn't know exactly where they were, instead of staying put and waiting for somebody to find them, what did they do? They guessed at a path and took off down it, right? Third, they took off down a hiking trail when they didn't really have the adequate supplies. They didn't have uh, adequate clothing. They obviously didn't have any shelter. They didn't have food or water at all, not a bottle of water. They only had tank tops and shorts. And this is 1991, so they had those cool wind shorts. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like uh, hammer pants, but just cut short. They had those things going on. And they, they wandered off down the trail, they, and very soon they began to realize, I imagine, that they were in trouble. As a matter of fact, they wandered for hours and hours and hours, and it soon became dark. And if they didn't realize before, surely with the darkness, they realized that they were in imminent danger. And then clouds rolled in, and then it began to rain. There was a thunderstorm, and then the thunderstorm turned into sleet, and then into hail. And with the cloud cover, you guys, if you've been out of Chicago, if you've been out in nature, you've been out in the wilderness, what does it look like when there is thick cloud cover? You can't see anything, right? There's no stars, there's no moon, there's no light, there's no light pollution, there's nothing. They were in pitch black. And there they were, huddled together under a tree. Darkness had fallen on these three children in the wilderness in 1991, and they were in imminent danger. Now, Jesus, when he speaks, what we're about to read, he's painting a picture of darkness and of light. All right? He's painting a picture of these two things, obviously, obviously, are in contrast with each other. He's saying, he's saying that he steps into the world and he's bringing light. And we'll, we'll see that he goes a step beyond that. It's really radical what he says. We're in John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If you've got your Bible app, you can turn it on to there. Uh, Bible app, Bible, whatever. We're going to throw it up on the screen. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. If you can, if you're able, stand with me as I read this passage. John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. It says, Again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees, that is kind of a religious or political party, the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. 
Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent, who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him, because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of God. You guys may be seated. Incredible, incredible self-testimony from Jesus. As a matter of fact, I mean, we can tell, we get these, this really strong context clue, that last verse that we read, yet no one arrested him. When we read this, it's like, why would somebody arrest him? What's happening? For them, Jesus is equating himself with God. He is saying, I am God. He, he equates himself with the Father. This would have been clear to his audience. And equating yourself with God in the temple, imagine, in the temple was, a, was a, a, an, a, an incredible offense, something that he could be arrested for or worse, right? But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Jesus makes this radical claim. What does he say? He says, I am the light of the world. Now pause and imagine that just for a moment. Imagine you're hanging out with your friends. You're sitting around the, the, the dining room table. I don't know, you're, you're in the basement, you're playing cards, you're watching a game, and, and one of your friends just goes, wait, 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 guys, just seriously, I gotta tell you something. I am the light of the world, right? This is outrageous. This is, this is incredible. This is astonishing, this claim. And he says it in all seriousness, standing teaching in the temple courts. He stands up to an audience who is well-versed in the ancient scriptures, and he says, they're about me. I am the light of the world. What an astonishing claim, isn't it? Imagine just for a moment, like, get your head in there. Put yourself in that position and hear these words from somebody, this, this person who is standing in the flesh saying this with, with earnestness. I am the light of the world. An astonishing claim. In this claim that Jesus makes, he doesn't just stop there. He also offers a promise. Did you see? Whoever follows me will never need walk in darkness again. Amazing. We're going to consider this statement, this I am statement from Jesus, from, from a very simple perspective. We're going to say, why does Jesus uh, uh, approach it? Why does he say, I am the light? So we're just going to say, well, what does light do? Okay? What does light do? What is the function of light? And what is the consequence of darkness? There's a reason that Jesus uses this language to, to talk about himself. What is the function of light? And what is the consequence of darkness? I've got my outline. I'm going to give it to you right now. So you ready? Here's the notes. Light, listen, light exposes the problem and illuminates the way forward. That is the function of light. Light exposes the problem and illuminates the way forward. Darkness, what is the consequence of darkness? It obscures the problem and it confuses the way forward. It is the inverse. Light exposes and illuminates, darkness obscures and confuses. Do you see? 
Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. This follows a theme that, that is literally since the beginning of, of time, the beginning of Scripture. What does it say? How does God burst onto the scene? What does he say? He says, let there be light. And he speaks these words and he speaks creation into being and we learn that Jesus is the word. Jesus is present there. It is his power. Let there be light. And, it, and this motif, this theme is thread throughout the ancient scriptures, throughout human history, and it, and it comes all the way to this little book, this, this book of John, this little history, this biography of Jesus that we're reading right now. The opening verses, verses four and five, John says, in him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Now check this out. The light shines in the darkness, John says, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is simply affirming what all of the ancient scriptures, what all of human history has been pointing to. He is the light of the world. What an astonishing claim. Jesus, unlike politicians or philosophers, other religious leaders, other religious, religious founders, uh, business people, he's, unlike them, he's not saying, I've found the light. Do you see? He's saying, I am the light. Consider Gandhi or the Buddha or a Hindu god or, or a business leader or a TED talk. <laughs> They're all saying, I've found a light. I've become enlightened. Let me show you the way. Jesus says something, some, something here so much more radical. He says, I am the light. I am the way. Do you see? This claim is unbelievable. He doesn't say he's found enlightenment. Enlightenment. He says that he is the light, but he doesn't stop there. He does not say, when I was going through hard times, I sat down and I looked deep inside myself, and in following a path of self-discovery, I found that I am a sufficient light for me. Do you see? He goes way further. He makes his claim universal. He doesn't say that in a process of self-discovery, he found a light sufficient for him. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, last time I looked, you and I, we are part of the world. He makes a universal claim. This light is sufficient to expose the problems in your life, in my life, to illuminate the way forward in your life, in my life. He is the light of the world. What a radical claim. I am the light of the world. He makes the radical promise, anyone who follows me, Need never walk in darkness again. Imagine. What a life. But have the light of life, he says. Path illuminated. Problems exposed for what they are. In, in, the, in the shining, glaring light of Jesus, all of the problems are exposed for what they are. All of the delusions, all of the pretensions that you and I have, they're exposed exactly for what they are. But he doesn't stop there. He illuminates the way forward. I am the light of the world, he says. And then he has the audacity to say, follow me and never walk in darkness again. Now listen, the, the children in the Pecos wilderness in 1991, they didn't sit and they didn't say, uh, it, they didn't use, expend their energy on a self-discovery process. They didn't sit under a tree and, and say, let's just look deep within our, inside ourselves and maybe we'll find a light that will lead us out of here. It sounds absurd, doesn't it? 
It's an absurdity to think that, that like some self-discovery or actualization or whatever, uh, finding yourself is going to somehow lead you out of the wilderness and into security. The, the children did not need to search within themselves. They needed someone outside themselves to search for them. Do you see? And what Jesus is saying here, the soundness of his claim becomes obvious when we consider it that way. The soundness of his claim, we need, people need an externality someone outside of themselves to shine a light and to show the way. It is just as absurd, maybe more so, it is just as absurd to say that I can find my way out of spiritual darkness by looking within, as it is to say I can find my way out of the wilderness by looking within. I need something. I need someone. Jesus says, I am that thing. I am that saving someone. I am the one. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light for life. What an amazing claim. Uh, there's an author and speaker named Jen Wilkin. Perhaps you're familiar with her. She teaches at a church in, in Texas, a church that's part of a family of churches that we're part of. She puts it this way. She says simply, our insecurities, our fears and doubts can never be banished by the knowledge of who we are. They can only be banished by the knowledge of who I am. Do you see? The knowledge of I am, the great I am. Someone outside of ourselves, someone who can accomplish what we can never accomplish. Something beyond a self-help book. Something beyond the, the, this, this mythology that we have as Americans that if we just look deep down with inside ourselves, we can find it. We need someone deep, high and above and outside of ourselves. We need the light. Jesus is the light. Light exposes the problem, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our inability to accomplish what it is that we want to accomplish. And he illuminates the way forward that he has accomplished for anyone who believes what secures their heart's deepest longings. You see, Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor and a preacher. Um, he put it this way about this verse, about these verses that we read. He said, verse 12 is a perfect summary of the good news about Jesus. Never was a more magnificent statement made in the world. Never was anything said to humankind more directly to meet their ultimate needs and problems. You can't imagine anything beyond this. In the darkness of this world with all of its consequent problems and hopelessness and despair, here comes one who says not only that he has the light, but that he is the light and that nobody need remain any longer in a state of misery or unhappiness or uncertainty. They have but to believe on him and follow him, and they'll find that they're new men and new women in a new world. Jesus is the light of the world. He has come into darkness. Do you see? That is his claim. This is a radical claim. And I agree with Dr. Jones, Lloyd-Jones, never was a more magnificent statement made in the world. We could, of course, um, and perhaps you're like this person, we could, of course, like string together some quotes. I could just quote it from Jen Wilkin. I quoted from Dr. Lloyd-Jones. We could string together a lot of quotes from people who think that Jesus' claim is absurd, right? Maybe you're one of those people that you're thinking that right now. You're sitting in your chair and it's like, well, yeah, anybody can find quotes that agree with you, right? Maybe you, you kind of feel a little bit outnumbered right now, but, so you're not going to say that out loud. I'll let me say it for you. Let me say, I don't even have to search very far 
to find people who scoff at Jesus' claim. As a matter of fact, they're right here in the passage that we read. Do you see? This idea that that dismissing Jesus' claims about himself is some kind of like, now we're enlightened and now we're modern and now we can look back and see that that can't be true. That's just a fiction. What What a silly little fairy story. It happened to Jesus. It's not new. Jesus, what did he say? We read it together. He makes this incredible, universal, majestic, and glorious, and radical, and outrageous claim that he is the light of the world. And what is the response? In verse 13, from the Pharisees, this this political party with religious overtones. Maybe you can imagine something like that. (laughs) This political party with religious overtones, they step back and they say what? They say you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. It's like they don't even hear. They're not even talking about what Jesus said. They're, they're locked in on a legal technicality. Do you see? They're so blind, they're so tunnel-visioned on their little, their little minutia that they don't address what Jesus actually claims. They say, let me tell you about a legal loophole, about a technicality. Let me, let me, let's talk about what... It, what parliamentary procedure what might mean right now. Do you see? And they miss the glory of the obvious picture standing before them. Here is God, the Son, in the flesh, proclaiming in the temple courts who he is, and they don't even talk about it. It's like they miss it. It's amazing. Imagine for a moment, uh, like the, the power goes out. Power goes, back, uh, goes out for 10 blocks all around us, right? It's night, we're in this room together, it's just totally black. And what, what happens when the power goes out? We've all been in a room when the power goes out. There's a little collective gasp, right? We all do that. Then there's some kind of some giggling because we all kind of turn into kids when the power goes out. <laughs> and then, you know, but we expect it to come back on really quickly, and it, and it doesn't. It's like kind of awkwardly long, and then the first baby begins to cry, and then there's kind of the whispers of, okay, what's next? What do we do? And in that moment, imagine somebody bursts through this door, and they have a floodlight, right? What, what do people do when that happens? They turn to the light. It's instinctive. Nobody's trying. Nobody's thinking, should I turn to the light or not? Let me, let's debate that right now. No, no, no. It, it just happens, right? It just happens. And if somebody is in the room and they're turned away and their posture does not change and they remain totally unmoved when the floodlight enters the room, what must you conclude about that person? They're blind. They're blind. That is the Pharisees. That's what's happening to them. The light has burst onto the scene. It's, it's entered the world in a radical way, and they don't even see it. They fail to see. They're blind. The spiritual blindness, the darkness has overtaken their thinking and their hearts. They're, they're, Jesus once said to the Pharisees, you guys are so good at, at, at cutting and counting and weighing things like herbs and cumin and dill, and you're missing the big picture. I'm God, Jesus says. That's what's happening here. They miss. Let's carry the illustration about the power going out a step further. The person enters the room with the floodlight. They shout, don't worry, don't follow me. This is the way out of here. And then somebody else stands up and says, no, 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 no. That's an exit only. You can't come in that way. <laughs> They're missing the picture. They're locked in their technicalities. 
They're, they're, they're considering some, some their, their own little personal minutiae, right? And they don't see that salvation has come. Deliverance is here. The light has broken in. It has pierced the darkness. This is the state of the Pharisees. Now listen, if light exposes the problem and illuminates the way forward, what we see here is the sobering picture of what darkness does. It blinds, it obscures, and it confuses. It non-issues issues. And it makes us miss God. They missed Jesus, and he was there. We could, we could go on with the Pharisees. There, multiple times they did this with Jesus. There were, there were multiple times when Jesus, you know, healed somebody miraculously. Imagine for a moment somebody healing a physical body. And just a few chapters before, John 5, there's a man who is, who is paralyzed for nearly 40 years, consigned to beg in a city plaza, right? And Jesus walks up and he says, get up and walk. And the man does it. Maybe you're like, I don't believe in miracles. That sounds outrageous to me. Listen, if Jesus is, is who he claims to be, that is exactly what we should expect to happen. If he's God, what is it for God to tell somebody to get up and walk? It goes exactly with Jesus' self-claims. It coincides with them. And then this man gets up and walks. He actually does it. And what do the Pharisees say? Do they stand back, mouths agape, and do they, do they revel in the glory of the moment? No. They argue about the day of the week. They're locked and they're tunnel visioned. They're blind. They're confused. The truth is, is obscured. Now listen, can you really argue with me and be intellectually honest? Can you really argue with me that there is not darkness in this world today? If the consequence of darkness is, is blindness and confusion, can you look out and say there's not darkness? What is uh, corruption in the city government or in the state government or in any government? What is corruption in corporate corporations? What is corruption but obfuscation, obscuring what's really going on? What is terms, how do terms like fake news and post-truth even enter a vocabulary if we don't have profound confusion? Do you see? We, we've got to stop thinking this, this myth that everyone basically is a pretty good person. There is darkness and it is profound and we are all helping to perpetrate it. If everyone is thinking that they're good and we've got this much darkness, then what we're thinking must be wrong. There's darkness in this world. The same thing that was going on in the Pharisees' hearts, their darkened mind, their darkened hearts, happens today. There's two parts to this great message from Jesus that we read. There's this, the, the, the glorious, magisterial part. He is the light of the world. He comes to illuminate, to expose. But then there's this, this scary, dire warning Darkness is real, and blind people are blind, and they don't even know it. What a warning. The, um, the same thing is true for many of us. Many of us, too many of us, are locked 
and tunnel visioned in our minutia, and we're missing Jesus. He's standing before us. He organized our entire calendar around himself. Christmas is coming. And he says, I am here. I am the light of the world. And we're locked into minutia about career or about relationship, about marriage, about money, about what we're going to do next, about who we want to be, about our identities, about whatever. Everything that I just listed, by the way, are good things. None of them are God things. Jesus says, I am the light. I am the God thing that is over and above you, that leads you, that illuminates your path forward. Do you see? Light exposes and illuminates. It leads to life. What we need is something more, far more, than likes on Instagram, than the materialism of Amazon Prime Day, we need something far more than even those, those good things like family and marriage and children and, and good jobs. We need the light of life. In the darkness, in the wilderness, those uh, three 11-year-old children that I mentioned earlier, they needed the light of rescue, right? I know this story well because I was one of those three kids. I was uh, at a sixth, sixth grade camp 1991, so you can do the math, some of you. <laughs> Others of you will need some pen and paper when you get home. I was there, and I, I was the dumb kid with the other two that hopped off the trail. 13 or 14 hours went by. It was 3, 4 a.m. The uh, storm and the rain uh, limited greatly any kind of helicopter rescue that the National Park wanted to do. Um, the rain also was hindered any the, the canine rescues that they wanted to do, and the people on feet on foot, uh, their rescue was also very limited by the darkness, the profound darkness. And there we were, me and Timory and Bryson, under a tree, shivering and cold, hypothermia imminent, hugging, and then we saw something through the trees. You know where I'm going. We saw light. We saw light piercing through the darkness, bouncing down the trail. And what did we do, my friends? We jumped up exuberant. We hugged and kissed and cried. And we ran and stumbled and tripped into those people and we fell into their embrace. It was a rescue team out for us. Do you see? Light had entered into our darkness and we ran to it. Light had entered our dark world, and what did the light remind us? It reminded us that we were not alone. The light told us that someone was thinking of us. The light told us that, that there was someone out there who loved and cared for us more than we ever imagined. We'd never met that rescue team, but they were looking for us. Listen, maybe, maybe, I don't know you, all of you, Maybe you don't know Jesus. He is out looking for you. He has shined a light. It is, it is brilliant and, and overwhelming. It knows your problems better than you know them. And he illuminates the way forward. We need a light to shine into the darkness. Can I pray for us?
Lord in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are the almighty God. You are the light of the world. Jesus, thank you. God, I pray against, just plainly, all all the ways that our senses are dim and dulled and darkened against you. I confess it to you, right? Me. I'm distracted. I'm caught up in my minutiae. Turn our gaze afresh anew to you, the brilliant light. And for the person who is here, the people who are here who aren't sure, Lord, let your light shine and understandable to them. Rescue them, I ask plainly. In your name and for your sake, amen.